The obelisk is the key. Good evening and welcome to the obelisk. Tonight we welcome back guest Nathan Day to talk about hidden history and stuff. Maybe a tiny bit of Basque stuff. And you can read all about him in the show description. Because I ain't reading it. Nathan, welcome back. Long time no see. Hi, about, Nathan. It's good to be back. About 24 Hi, hours since I saw you. <laughs> just about. <laughs> and it was just well, not even like five months ago, I think, you were on the show here last. Oh, not pretty even recently. That. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah, the seasons have flipped. It was uh it was dark out this time last uh interview and this time it's still I think I have three hours of sunlight left. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I, I know I do out here. Are you on the west coast? Yeah, I'm in uh I'm in Washington State. Oh, so am I. Where you can <laughs> no longer buy AR rifles. So sad. Uh, yeah, our legislation here, our governor is uh, is a non-human evil <laughs> thing. What governors aren't? <laughs> well, the, ours is ours is frowning up there. I think all the West Coast ones are, you know, stickouts. <laughs> aren't you guys like a sex change sanctuary state now too? Oh, probably. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah, they started that sort of stuff. Yep. Uh, our governor. Our governor is actually a template model originally created by Jim Henson to please the kids. <laughs> Show me on this Muppet where Jay Inslee touched you. <laughs> California's oh at least got a bit more spunk. I mean, uh, Gavin Jusum is, he's Homelander. I mean, in real life. <laughs> I know, it's so crazy. You know what doesn't get, caught, <clears throat> get talked about a lot is the fact that... Uh, Newsom is Pelosi's cousin or nephew, right? Nancy Pelosi's nephew is Gavin Newsom. So he has, in fact, seen those. Oh, I hope. <laughs> they're, I'm they're... so sick of how connected they all are. It's oh, just... yeah. Well, you've heard that that whole thing about how all the presidents are from the same bloodline and all that bullshit. I have no idea if it's true. Yeah, they're all um they're all within 10 degrees of separation. Well, that's not the same bloodline. There there are people saying that, you know, that the uh I don't even remember what bloodline it was, but but that they were all shared a common ancestor. I thought that was all with the Habsburg stuff. If you go back far enough, you start getting and you have any nobility or royal blood in you, it starts to be that kind of situation. So Suzanne's got royal blood. What's going on with her? Well, and so do a lot of us, (laughs) Jerry, a lot of people do. So it's a joke too. the charlatans, right? Everyone's related to Charlemagne. So there's, there's that. I don't put a lot of stock in it unless it gets closer to modern times. And yeah. then you're like, Ooh, okay. Yeah, of course, neither do I. And it's a, I put as much stock into it as people say, I was Cleopatra in a past life. Like, yeah, right. Right. Oh, right. I was a princess and I had a forbidden love and we were killed for it. <laughs> That's right. How many times I've heard that? <laughs> oh, geez. Justin Stevens says it was a Merovingian bloodline. 
Well, the sacred Merovingian. That's, that's the Christ a, bloodline, I thought. Yeah, that's the that's the certainly is. It's the Holy Grail. Yeah, the Grail, the Sangre. Tom Hanks says. Yeah, Tom Hanks says. So wait. Wait, what, what does Tom Hanks say? I, oh, it was a angels and demons joke. Uh, oh no, it was a <laughs> Da Vinci Code joke. Is he not in angels? And he's demons? in. He's in all it. three of the movies, but. This, the Holy Grail stuff was all in the the first one, Da Vinci Code. But Jerry's I, I here fact-checking like, us. I, well, no, it's just a, I I was a huge <laughs> fan. So so back in the <laughs> back in the seventies or eighties, this book came out called um, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, or Holy Grail, Holy Blood. I don't remember which it was, and it was the book that Dan, whatever the fuck his name is, who wrote Da Vinci Code, read Dan Brown. Dan Brown inspired him and his CIA cohorts to write the Da Vinci Code. So a lot of the things in the Da Vinci Code are based on this Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which was, I forget the author's name. However, one of them. Um, <laughs> so the character of Lee Teabing in Da Vinci Code, the, the what's it, whatever his name is, Gandalf's name, um, <laughs> Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen's character's name was Lee Teabing in that book, in that movie, rather, and the book. And Lee Teabing is an anagram of the original author of Holy Blood, Holy Grail. His name. Oh, Easter eggs. Yeah, there's lots I, of... I love Easter eggs. There's tons of Easter eggs in Da Vinci Code. It was... The book was amazing. I don't... I People poo-poo it, but I thought I could not put that book down. It was like a... Like when you're reading a Harry Potter book, you just cannot stop reading it. It's like, oh my god, this book's so good. I love a page turner. That's a talent, and that's a talent. I agree. It was very well written. It was just gripping, and uh, you finish chapter like one more chapter, one more chapter, one more chapter. (laughs) I a good series is like that too when you're binging. Like, I've been watching ten hours of this, but one more, and then I'll go to bed. (laughs) Anyway, I apologize for hijacking. No, what are you talking about? It's amongst friends here. Well, Nathan was, was about actually... to say something. Oh, I don't even remember. Oh, no. bloodlines. Yes. I treat bloodlines like I treat immigration. When somebody says, oh, I'm really Irish. Are you really Irish? How many generations has your family been here? More than three? Doesn't count. <laughs> sure it does. <laughs> like you can be Irish, but I know people that are first generation over here or second generation over here and that's it's closer ties they have living family in ireland versus someone who says i i sent my stuff into ancestry and i'm part syrian oh yeah i i see what you're saying nathan yeah we are american and um that's nationality that we we start people need to understand that that's like that is such a, a small little sliver of something that needs to be understood because if you're born here, especially if you're born here, you're American, right. but your nationality may, your grandma may have come from Ireland and That's your ethnicity, your nationality is American. Are you sure? Yeah. When I was talking in my linguist days, okay, I'll go with that. Nationality guy. is your nation, which would be America. And well, you. nation. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm, people, I'm there with it, Jared. People I'm there use with them it. both ways. I, I'm just, I'm 
annoying. But what so <laughs> the whole point there is it there they, I think they both qualify, but if you're born here, you're an American. Correct. Especially if you have, you know, generations of people born here. Mm -hmm. And that's so strange. It wasn't it wasn't until 1860 when that was also true of anyone from China. They were actually the last ones to become naturalized American citizens far after the Civil War and all of this. Uh, they still said it doesn't matter if you were born here. You're not an American yeah, citizen. Not to finish building that railroad. Then we'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, speaking of. In the end, I hate these overlords and I hate this power over that is prevalent and prevalent in our world. And no matter what nation you mm -hmm. go to right now. And the shameless power grabs well, are going it's... on right now, too. Well, those are exciting, at least, because as a forced spectator, you have to uh, you have to root for something. And they're giving you plenty to root for. I'm rooting for nuclear war at this point. Oh, man. Well, my state is safe. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's all about so the whole thing is it's all about how so this is what's turning europe so you see everywhere the new europeans and the new irish and all that and they're not ethnically and irish they're from, or from somalia <laughs> right right and and still speaking somalian you know this is this is where it gets hot and heavy and same here in america so, and an old school siege and conquer, you know, there was always that thing about kill all the men and rape all the women and get your babies in, right? And that stuff kind of, I don't know, it, this is all tricky water, but I have felt always that we should kind of honor I feel, I just don't feel kind of like, I think we should honor what it is. If I'm going to Ireland, I want to experience Irish people and Irish culture. Same as if I'm going to any other country, I, I kind of want that experience. And so it becomes tricky. And looking at the way it all plays out now is, you know, concerning, at least from where I stand. And I'm not going to take the show into that direction but i think we should consider how militaristically movements have happened through time and how nations get sacked and taken over from a historical standpoint what we're engaged in right now is actually not immigration it's colon colonialism by proxy we're an immigrant is someone who arrives in a new place and assimilates to the ways of that place to the culture. And we're not seeing that assimilation. We're actually yes. seeing pockets of the world they left being brought to them. And it is a, it's an intentional subversion. And it's been going on for quite a while. But it is a, a softer, more Fabian method of the kill the men, rape the women aspect. Like characters like Justin Long are products of rape. When you look at his mixed lineage, he looks German and Mongolian at the same time. It's very strange. We have an entire uh, 
generation of people with such mixed heritage from from wars being fought like that. But right now they're doing it without war. I call Nathan, I actually think it is war. I think it's the new version well, of war. Certainly. Yeah. Without and that's the thing war, a lot of say. people right without a hot war. But at the same time, you know, it's the new hot war because they can do it like this now. And it's taken it into into this new realm of being. And I don't know. Oh, well, personally, I don't like it one bit. So I find this to be concerning and and it seems so obvious to me. But when I look around, a lot of people are oblivious to these this overture that's happening, that it's underway, that it's been happening and that it's increased now. And now to me, all of this is looking more like a siege. And then there's big money behind all this. We've got, of course, George Soros. And I mean, there's all kinds of uh, motivation for people to, I'm talking big money people, big, big money people to drive a narrative, but it seems most imperative to bring America down more than any other country because we represent something that is a little bit different. Whether you agree with what we represent or not, it seems like that is a target point here. We were um, we were shown to the world as the people in the world who have the most, the most opportunity, uh, the most luxury, the most chance. And that makes us a target. And so to make the rest of the world like us, they'll bring more people to us and in the end we you know we fade out just as anything else a slow demographic replacement can be seen in history in places like rome where the birth rates fall and they have to bring in outsiders just to keep the population up and all of a sudden most of your serf class most of your military uh, don't speak the language or aren't from here uh, and in essence, a place becomes only the name or the facsimile of itself and not what it once was. So what do you think is the looking at it now and from the research you do and the analytics you do, uh, what do you see? How do you see this playing out and say, let's go a couple generations down the road? Well, history, and I've been hearing this so much lately, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. So we look for the specific paradigm. Um, we can see past examples of the fall of empires. And I because Dune is coming out, I focused on it again. If you don't, Dune is the story of the Ottoman Empire. Um, did you guys know that, first off? It looks really obvious to me, but I didn't I didn't for a long time. And just recently, I thought, my God, this is right in our faces, of course. So they had uh, the Bene Gesserit were written after the females in the court who actually had a breeding program for fanatical converts uh, to lead. And you find the Ottoman Empire slowly replacing the demographics of their own aristocracy over time until you have outsiders ruling a, a nation of Arabs, essentially. So 
we watch for that demographic replacement at the higher echelons. We search for further paradigms. Uh, you can go back to early American early history. You can look at uh, the Baconian Rebellion and how the uh, the Blacks and the Irish, they got together and they got down so hard uh, that the ruling class in America had to divide them in order to keep themselves alive, creating the first enforcer class. Okay, Irish, you can join us. At least you have the same God as us. And so we have to watch for a new class that's going to be uh, the ultra-oppressed and the new enforcer class that's supposed to rise up against. And that new enforcer class will be like the Cheka that you see in 1910, uh, right at the start of the Bolshevik empire, or the Bolshevik takeover. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at similarities. All these things rhyme, so can we see that here? The whole point of history is to find what was before to see what will be. And so that's that's what I'm watching for now. I mean, can you name an enforcer class coming up right now inside of America? Bet you could. Oh yeah. An enforcer class? Yes. Um like, uh, yeah, someone... yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Brown shirts. Brown shirts, the Cheka. Yeah. Um, but just anybody set to keep the bulk of the population down. They pick the people who might be the most trouble. And they use another group of people to keep them in check, to subjugate them. We're talking like Antifa. As uh, an we example. could be talking about, we could be talking about the ultra woke left as a brutal enforcer class yeah. against yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moderate centrists. Yeah, anything like that. Uh, American traditionalists, even. But uh, Christians. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I see. I know exactly what you're talking about, and. The only problem with that <clears throat> is that it only works for a little bit. And mm. that group of people, that, that enforcer class, as you put it, is small compared to the people they're trying to control. And that pendulum swings, swings back hard. So, I mean, it's, it's bad. It's setting us up for something bad. It's a bad plan all around. Yeah, but um, to achieve a goal, the goal being uh, a short-term goal, the method is completely viable. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But we have to see how it plays out, where it goes. That's um, that's kind of my big, uh, like the, the summer of love 2020, right? All of that, <clears throat> in my opinion, is all of that was done to provoke a response from Trump. Which is exactly why he did nothing about it. It was, they, I'm, I'm no Trump fan or anything. I'm just putting this out there just from objectional, uh, objective observation. The left constantly provoked him to try and get him to do something that they could point at and go, look, he's a fascist. Or prove all the shit they've been saying about him. You know, none of the things that he that he was called a racist, fascist, Nazi, yada, 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 is, is true or demonstrable. It's just words. And they desperately needed evidence for that. <clears throat> so that was one of the, I think, one of the biggest 
uh, reasons for assembling and organizing all that. Well, yes, and we have, what's the year spread there? 2016 to 2023, we're still in the midst of it. And I think it's going to oh, go yeah. to 2025. Yeah. But yeah. We, we have a historical precedent inside of America for this. And that was uh, the flower power hippie movement. Obviously ending, uh, ushering us from the 60s into the 70s. A years long push to destroy the American family. Yes. To take to take children from their parents yep. on a moral level, which actually was a great success. And you can call the end of that era, uh, the stones concert where the, uh, hell's angels ended up stabbing a bunch of people yep. because they work security. So we've seen a thing like this before, but wasn't and that whole hell's angels back. thing, um, kind of a false flag of sorts or something. There was there was strangeness around it. I'm sorry. Keep going. There was. I will show. No, up. there was. Yeah. But this is this is a historical precedent. Mm. We we saw something move um, in society in the 50s, and I say we. I mean the nation's leaders. Uh, they saw that the civil rights movement, which was calm, which was gaining attention. And may have taken an additional 10 years to get where they pushed it. They pushed it before it was ready uh, to divide a nation. And this went all the way through the 60s, all the way to the 70s, where people were so tired that they had to give them disco, black exploitation films, just to calm them down. The 70s was very calm compared to the decades surrounding it. And so I think we're, unless we have a massive upheaval, upheaval coming, they're going to have to quiet down for a while well i think i personally think looking at and this is you know using some of the other tools the astrology that we're moving into here in july especially that kind of takes us back to 1792 with that the certain placements of revolution and uh, all that stuff's coming i think we're not going to have a I think it's going to get worse for some time before we get any kind of calm down. That's just what I see. And there's a lot of ways in which I find myself to that conclusion, but astrology is just one, both Vedic and uh, the Western astrology, but also the energetics and how this is amping up. And we find ourselves in this kind of uncanny valley of craziness, of cartoon world, of disnified space, and nobody's on the same page. It, language is falling apart, and and so we can't even communicate properly. And then, of course, we've got ignorant people everywhere that don't even know the capital of the United States or the president even. Uh, and just basic stuff. Eighth grade level is a high standard now, if you're looking at that for the culture around us, which used to be the standard for newspapers. That's like almost too high now. Most people are not at eighth grade level. And so this is not going to play out well here more recently because everyone is being agitated intentionally to uh, kind of 
present what is looking very warlike or purge-like or um, pitting everyone against everyone for a bigger agenda. The Hegelian aspect to this is just completely in our faces. And, you know, plug in the digital interface of what we're looking at as this moves forward. And this is, of course, uncharted territory. So there's a lot of what ifs or how could this play out? How will this play out that are in the mix here with this very hot war we're in, but in the new age hot war? Uh, Aaron brought up a good point or made a point in chat. He said, uh, there's a natural disaster coming that even they can't stop. This is why things are happening the way they are. These systems of control must be in place, put in place. Uh, yeah, I think oh, yeah. that there's a, I'm, I'm agreeing with Aaron yeah. on that. I am it's, too. It's in the mix. I am too. So if you listen that, to Ben Davidson, <laughs> oh, I think everyone, we all know what it is. A lot of people. So I think yeah. it's going to be a minute before we get disco again. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go all the way around again to get disco. It ain't coming in the future, in our future. <laughs> but, you know, the 70s had their flair and... Uh, you know, it's a reminder of looking back and this is Nathan, this is what you do. You know, I think this is a good time to actually just introduce Nathan a little bit to people that may not be familiar. What is, you know, you're a psychoanalyst, right? What? What, what's your history here? Who are you, Nathan? <laughs> I'm no one. I am a support character and I think more of us should exist. I think that uh <laughs> I totally am. I totally I'm like I'm on, I'm borderline NPC. I'm so support. <laughs> I just I feel like I'm playing Zelda now. In a world where you're either somebody or you're absolutely nobody, I think that message of fame is one of the most detrimental things that goes on in the first world right now. And I refuse to be famous. Uh, I've been contacting people in the hidden history world for years now and just saying, can I help? Have you seen this? And I form a few relationships and I help out. It's, it's just that simple. That but role you is analyze, more than anything else. Oh, certainly. You, uh, you, you deeply analyze everything and you put stuff together in a very, uh, in in an incredible way and this is what i'm getting at is you might can these are humble words i like them also i think a lot of people in our in our realm here none of us are seeking big you know the big spotlight i certainly am not either i like the uh, the underground lay low fly under the radar as much as possible it's a first red flag when people start reaching for the sun and holding it above their head like a, you know, like a golden sphere of mesmerism for people to see how famous you are and how well, you, you know, we could go into it. The Stu Peters of it, the, I could just start naming the names <laughs> that could make me cr the cringe, the cringe names. So well, what, what it is about you, Nathan, is you deeply analyze your, it's not like you're just, op-edding everything you're actually doing analysis i am um, i have to i think we all have to 
and I will say the dumbest things anybody's ever heard most of the time. Um, but occasionally I do get it right. And occasionally there's some insight to be found if you're willing to be foolish for long enough. But I do agree with what you said. We all, we all forget too easily that we wear wax wings. But history, we're in a time period right now that is the intentional fruition of decades and centuries toward goals that we cannot, even the most educated of us cannot even decide on. We don't know an end game, the end games of these. We can only see the processes. And I think that's supremely interesting. And, and I think we've been here before. Oh, absolutely. I'm feeling that yep. so well. I, 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 I equate this period this era if you if you will uh to the i'm going to call a myth of atlantis right that they were this great civilization that got super technical and then blew themselves up somehow and i think we are at that precipice of and whether that's a precautionary tale a myth or even reality if if it's in any way true i think we are at that point right now in our civilization worldwide, not just the United States, that we are about to either blow ourselves up just like the last civilization and the one before that. I think it's a cycle, just like you said, where we, we've returned to this point and it's a fascinating time to be alive. What's, what really gets me is when I remember cyclic catastrophe and, and it is quite a bit to remember uh, the ins and outs, the last 200 years make a lot of sense toward that end. Mm -hmm. When you, uh, when you read Toffler, Alvin Toffler yeah, did, uh, shock. information warfare and future shock and the third wave, and the third wave, which is um, like a sequel. Yeah. I read them. Yeah. Those books talk about paralyzing a populace through the inundation of information, most of it mm -hmm. being true, mm -hmm. but so much that you can't act upon it because you can't decide what to do. It is an overstimulation, and we're living in that right now, and it's beautiful. Not um, to mention, because <laughs> Toffler wrote that in the 70s, or, oh, or, yeah. even, or even earlier. 60s, and, 60s, 60s and, and into the 70s, yes. I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, um, and that's so prescient to, to have, that he saw that in his world then. Imagine what he would feel like it was, I'm pretty sure he's dead, but imagine oh, yeah, he did. the difference i mean it's exponential from the 70s to now as far as information so yes. what are we seeing today we're not seeing minds like this at least that no, i know of we no. see we see a bunch of pontificators and sophists and <laughs> yes <laughs> mongers of all things but where amongst us are the men and women who say this will eventually become this. I'm I'm having a very hard time finding anybody that that can still their mind long enough for the analysis to provide some prescience, like we used to see. Mm. And that's tough. We're <clears throat> I think they're out there, but there's no money in it. Oh yeah, hard to find mm -hmm. or dead. Mm -hmm. But we're. We're literally just watching each other analyze things in real time 
with no grand corollary. It's really frustrating. So, so to try to piece out what will be is the best I can do <laughs> from what was. <laughs> and this episode, uh, for everybody listening, we were supposed to speak on the Basque people. Yes. And I was going to bring on uh, a good friend. Uh, but at the last minute, something came up. He's unavailable. Um, you'll soon be hearing a lot of information on the Basque histories. Uh, the myths, the religions, the secrets. We all know Ignatius Loyola, or at least the name. So there's your famous tie-in. There's your uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Not to mention the, to the Basque the, people. Uh, rhesus monkey negative blood. Prominent exactly. In, prominent in the Basques. So he has an episode coming up on uh, Crow and... I have to leave it at that, unfortunately. I don't want to spoil any of it for him, but um, if it is what I think it'll be, a lot of people in the next six months will be talking about Basque histories, and we'll see these folks come out of the woodwork uh, once they realize that people want to know the information they have. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. It's been a while since, since I've heard something that I'm not also hearing in 10 other places in the same week. Yeah. And even worse, two weeks later, as news is breaking. Uh, oh, my yep. God, yeah. Oh, my God, I hate that. Well, I'm definitely looking forward yeah, to that. And there's so much to be said about the Basque. And there's, you know, the talk about a bloodline. There's, you know, there's quite a bit of them here as well in the United States. And... um yeah, so all I'm saying is I'm excited and have tie-ins to all that myself. So I can't wait to see what unfolds. It sounds mysterious to me, Nathan. Um, it is in-depth enough that we have to bring on a native Euskaran speaker. And that's proving the most difficult, uh, the most difficult part of this. Because you have to find someone who's aware of the things we are and has that niche ability. So, in this, looks like you're you're looking. Anyway, so I'm in sorry. The, there's a fire truck or something, and I feel like they're just doing donuts a block away from me right now. <laughs> <laughs> you start mentioning the Basque. So, what are what are you interested in right now? What are you besides this, the Basque situation, it seems like you're in the know of that, but what else, what's going on that has your attention as far as looking at our historical stuff, what's going on in context to how these overtures are happening around us? What, what is going on with you? So here they are a block away. Um, can you guys still hear me over that? I can't hear that at all, so. Oh, beautiful. My noise cancellation's working. It's deafening on my end. Um, first off, with the cyclic catastrophe, we um, were aware that a back to Africa is happening. Is that a parade? I'm sorry, guys. It is a parade. The police and the firemen, okay. 
It's funny because it's That's literally okay. nothing's picking up. Really? Yeah. I heard I heard one honk. Oh man, I like, I it's like really seriously your your cancellation like thing is working. Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. Um, so there is a, there's an idea that I've had for a while that's been also shared by Ben Davidson, by Diamond, by Rex, all those guys, uh, Adapt 2030, um, that Africa will be green again. And we know historically it has been before, dried up, and, and that's about to change again for the better. Um, that is what I'm looking at now. I'm focused mostly on the water, uh, ancient and worldwide, but also contemporary. Um, there is a new mega dam coming. The Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. Have you seen it? No. Have you heard of it? No. No. Gonna... This is new to me. Uh, they're going to block off the Nile. At the base. Oh, I think I have heard a little bit about that. Yes. I, I didn't know that it was getting traction. First phase of filling the reservoir began in July 2020. And in August, the water level was increased to 540 meters. This thing is, they have a support dam that is one of the longest support dams in the world. And you're looking at a 500 foot dam above the water. This thing is going to dry Egypt up. It's going to be a choke point, And I would say in the next 10 years, a hot spot worldwide for geopolitics. And this is just a, a current world problem view of something that they know has happened in the past and will happen again. And this thing is so large, it actually dwarfs the Three Gorges Dam, which is one of the world's, it is the world's largest yeah. dam. Took nine years to build. Yeah, this this thing is massive. Um, but, oh, they're calling it the Blue Nile Mega Dam. And so I've been watching to see exactly what's going to happen as... Um, as the Nile changes and as all of Africa greens again. So the if, funny thing if is they're restricting, sorry, go ahead. Continue. I was saying if they're restricting well, the flow at the source of the Nile, <clears throat> it's so small compared to the body of water that's, what is it, the, the Mediterranean? I don't even know what that is. What is yeah, it? It's the Med. Is the Med. Um, mm -hmm. The Nile's tiny compared to that massive body of water. I can't see restricting that as being able to green. We're talking the Sahara, right? That greening. Ninety-five. Oh yes, but there are there are massive aquifer systems underneath. The tapping of those and the upwelling of waters in the past is the reason that it used to be green. Not only that, but. Um, well, the, the jet stream, the jet stream flow, change, atmospheric right. river flow. I yeah. think that was more from... the reason than aquifers drying up. Well, um, you guys are familiar with primary water, with this idea. Yeah? And it could be actually the planet yes. tilting too. Could have, you know, could have tilted if we live on, yeah. if we do live on a planet. 
Well, and if we're going toward cold phase again, we're looking at uh, sea and ocean level rise. Yep. Because yeah. Uh, yeah. water gains water gains six percent mass as it freezes, and salt water gains I think point eight percent. So more ice equals higher water for that. But so, no, but not much. Not feet. I mean, six percent worldwide. We we can already see ancient cities off of the coast of almost every uh, piece of land in this world, mm -hmm. and they're yeah. all beneath the water, and they yep. all go about four hundred feet down. Yeah. So we've already it's like seen new that, things are that popping up. Rise. Yeah. 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 It, the stuff in Florida has been crazy to see starting to pop up off the coast. Oh yeah, and Florida is. Florida is right now everyone's favorite talking point, uh, thanks to old world Florida, Dr. Longo. And I got to say, he's got yes. quite a few good points. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a bit wooey for the real science crowd, but people do tend to find his stuff useful, myself included. Where have I heard his name? Wooey usually Dr. means Longo. renegade. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Kerrig Kerrigan Carrington, whatever his name is, had him on. Kerrigan. Uh, he's been making the rounds everywhere. I'm looking. But um, yeah, I've yeah, been... he's old world Florida guy, right? <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah, yeah, him. Yeah. Okay, I know. That's where I knew it from. Um, so following the water and looking at the ancient systems. You can't actually find a lot of this information anymore with a basic source. When you search irrigation and things like that, you can find contemporary things, but they only go back about 200 years BC, typically. When we look at uh, Sri Lanka near Sigiriya Rock, and uh, they call it Lines Rock, um, there is irrigation there that's easily 5,000 years old that we rediscovered. Uh, when Britain headed into those lands, and we've been using ever since. And like Petra, Petra actually had massive terracotta irrigation. The entire land was green off of, uh, they pumped something like 12 billion gallons of water into Petra, uh, just from cisterns on the hilltops throughout throughout Jordan. And so I've had my eyes on the water lately. And 98% uh, of Egypt's water comes from the Nile. So whereas it seems very small, this one instant, um, this one dam could change everything. Or if that was underwhelming, you asked what I've been into. I just, uh, I can't get enough of it. Oh, that was not underwhelming at all. Sorry, I thought I was talking and I, <laughs> I was muted. Anyway, um, so how does Egypt feel about this? Do we, you know, is what's going on with this? Because it looks like this could, well, it seems like it could be very... I know somebody's, it's been going for three years now. What was it called again? Nile Dam. The Blue, Blue Nile, Nile Dam. Dam. Egypt is losing it. It's a grand uh, Ethiopian been... Renaissance Dam. Is what... 
they they swear that they're not going to choke off the river flow they swear they're not going to do anything to it but i mean ethiopia as a country i just don't buy it i well, don't at all buy it and that's what i'm saying <laughs> this this seems like it could get nasty and you know so nasty that you know if you get upset a country that's losing out on its water source yeah you know, we're talking about warring stuff with blowing that up and all this, you know, possibly. These are things that could possibly happen when you take away a major resource from a country that's in basically desert-like situation. Well, they, um, we've seen historically that every time a cyclic catastrophe affects China, it decimates their populations. And so you, we've been seeing uh, financial colonialism happen all throughout Africa. And it seems like this time uh, the Chinese are prepared for what's to come. They have things like uh, large scale loans to African countries. And when the countries default, uh, instead of taking them over or putting sanctions on them, what they do is uh, it's written in the clause if you default on this loan, we now control your port for a 99-year lease. And so they've done this to a number of countries. They got shanghai they... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> How different and... is that with their contracts with the United States, though, and all the financed land and shit they have here? Oh, in Canada, even worse. Yeah. Even worse. Um, that's... That's the added value of being able to devalue your own currency until you can win a financial battle with another country. <clears throat> yeah, which they've done, but I don't think China's in any position to, uh, maybe for Africa, but not any other Western country. They, they wouldn't be able to make a move like that. No, and I don't think they would need to in America. It is striking that they own so much. Yeah. I mean, they, they basically own... The ports of the west coast of America, mm -hmm. um, Hawaii, all of Wisconsin, yeah. a good deal of Hawaii, Jamaica. Nobody Jamaica, talks about yeah. that. There are so many Chinese down there that speak Patois, call themselves Jamaican. It's insane. Yaman, yeah, where's my chop suey man? Uh, the the biggest <laughs> cognitive dissonance I've had in the past year is watching a Chinese person speak in a Jamaican Patois. <laughs> it all, it's, it's wild <clears throat> i have a i have a really good flawless i have a really good friend who's korean and he's from tennessee and when i first when i first met him 20 some odd years ago um <laughs> to hear him talk with this twang was just hilarious it, and it was the first time i'd ever met that kind of cross ethnicity person i just not, i even know yeah. what to call it. i don't even know what to call it someone who was not uh, like, duganism someone who wasn't like a typical american looking person you know mm -hmm. he's straight up korean dude <laughs> you know and he he used to work in a japanese steakhouse he was one of the tapenaki chefs that was even funnier because he wasn't japanese anyway sorry no that's um but yeah i understand kind of owns China owns so much right now, and that is the battle. I mean, we're 
we're trying to sweep up everything we can before we have to hunker down. And but China like owns so thing. much of this. The thing is with China and the American dollar is they're so tied into the American dollar that I don't personally, I could be wrong here, and I'm definitely no expert at any of this, but none of us are. I don't see why China would want to have the yuan, why the China would want to have the suppression of the dollar because they're so invested in it. And that's part of this. Lord have mercy. Hold on. I don't think that they're. I don't think it's it's the Chinese that are depressing the U.S. dollar. Do you want? No, actually, the it's the central banks it, that are doing that. From my perspective, so, my opinion. Yes, but, but, and getting away from the petrodollar. Yes. Um, you you have the CCP versus the wealthy Chinese, mm -hmm. and the wealthy Chinese have to get out of China. That's the goal but they can't bring their money with them because yuan cannot be exported exactly and so they need other markets and now if if they could spend their money outside or liquidate their assets they would and yeah. so families come over here with withholdings mm -hmm. that they have and uh, it's just a great wealth shuffle it is that, that, but that. they're but the majority of their holdings are in the dollars. I've understood it, and everyone thinking that the American dollar is going to fall away and putting China in the mix it doesn't make sense to me when we start to look at the pivot records on all this, and it just doesn't make sense to me. I can see it with other other nations, so like it makes sense with other currencies but the chinese one that everyone seems to throw in here is gonna china's gonna financially take over and push the no. yeah i don't see that that's, that's what i'm saying it's not possible no and that's that's ignorant on a willful level yes, yes. to the people saying that the the cbdc will remedy quite a bit of this correct getting away from the petrodollar and getting toward the One Belt, One Road initiative will yep. fix a lot and, of that as well. And BRICS. BRICS will also take care of the rest yes. of it. Once, if they get the CBGCs through, then the BRICS will take care of the, the part they missed. Yes. But, and... in, but then BRICS will be just integrated. The CBDC and BRICS will be integrated. So, I mean, it's all going to... Eventually, they'll get to the one currency they want. Yes. So, you have the, the wealthy Chinese hanging on until the shift happens. And yeah. you have, uh, you have the CCP keeping them in the country until the shift no longer matters for their own wealth. And then in the mix, the thing we do have is the Chinese credit system, so the social credit system and all that tied in. I mean, that's been underpinned here for a long time when social media is like uh, my life and stuff like that that came in. Of course, TikTok and. There's a whole bunch of stuff that that is tying in. So I can see on a certain level why the Chinese are a threat because of the whole the whole communistic aspect and the way in which we're turning here towards that kind of situation, the deeper into the digital world we get and tied higher up the scaffolding as far as into um into into all this basically yeah 
Um, and there's definitely things that need to happen before they can implement social credit here. They obviously need some kind of digital ID for everyone, and they have to have a certain amount of compliance. Uh, and of course, there'll be grace period, but then it's going to have then it'll be mandatory. So, but once they have digital IDs, they can go to CBDC. I mean, it all kind of snowballs after that. They just need to get that first step going. And this is what makes me think that the balkanization of America is more likely than a unified America coming oh, into oh, the yeah. next, uh, coming into the next stage of the world. Um, we have governors going outside of America to pass laws for their states in America. Mm -hmm. We have states like Iowa following UN declarations to sign. Uh, Holocaust memorial bills and anti-Semitism laws. Florida too. Yes. Uh, so we have extra national interests operating at the state level mm -hmm. because, in, in my opinion, eventually the state level is what's going to matter, which is a large backfire for the state's rights, guys. Um, they'll get what they want, but what they want won't be what they get. If that made any sense, because everyone running the states in the next 10 years or so will be ruled by money from special interests abroad. But how different is that from the federal government right now? Well, <laughs> the difference is the difference is that the states can go against the federal government now and with the abolishment of a federal government in lieu of, let's say, a UN peacekeeping force, Ugh. then the state's rights will it will be fully balkanized. When oh, everybody yeah. finally starts chanting for states' rights. Yeah. Nope. So I mean, over in our neck of the woods in Oregon. So, fine. you know, you're just fine. a little south of us. Well, Oregon's doing, you know, they're trying oh, to Oregon. break away. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oregon and, and so that all passed too I thought well so that's why I'm asking Nathan because over here where we are it, you know it's a talk I get it's I see it all the time in my emails that I follow from the different governmental institutes because I've got my eye on all this and so you know also Washington which is not proposing this at least that I've seen Eastern Washington is so different from Western Washington. And I mean, it's night and day, just like in Oregon. So Nathan, how do you think this is going to play out as all this kind of restructurings going on? There is a movement like this in Oregon called the Greater Idaho Movement, which aims to take the Scadlands, the Badlands, uh, Hell's Canyon area, the entire snake, um, and make it a part of Idaho. Idaho doesn't want it, but Eastern Oregon wants it. And the same thing's happening up in Washington, but that's just going to be a further breakup. In my opinion, yes. Do you know how many nations are in Europe? They're doing fine. Uh, the only thing is, if, if interstitial travel becomes difficult or even impossible, thanks to balkanization, we're going to run into a major problem, and that's going to be getting together. And if we can't get together, we can't defend ourselves from anything. Isolation and subjugation have always been the goals. 
And we've seen that in the past five years. But we've seen this time and time again where we foster um, we foster disillusion of existing systems. And Hegel had this in mind. Uh, with his with his dialectic, everyone says, you know, there's a problem. Here's a solution because they really want this. But people don't say that the people engaged in enacting the Hegelian dialectic have created all three. They've created the, the problem and the reaction, fostered both for the solution. The, the synthesis yeah. was always the goal. The problem, uh, the thesis, the antithesis never existed before. I think we're seeing that now with the whole man-made climate change agenda. Yes, and that's been it's been fifty, been sixty on the books years. For decades. Yep, yep. Since I was a kid, I've been hearing how oh, the planet's at a tipping point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're at a tipping point. Okay, <laughs> should be tipped by. And now. that's it. If they can, if they can waste your time for the bulk of your life, then their job for their generation is yeah, over. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, ninety-nine percent of the shit you see every day, if, especially if you look at like Twitter every day. Like, unfortunately, I do. Um, it's, all, it's all distraction. There's no, there's very little news on there that's, I mean, there's a shitload of news, and it's all pretty much real time, which is really awesome. However, it's all distractionary <laughs> news. It's all meant to distract you from what's really going on because the major things that are happening, for instance, the the fact that the FBI was going to be held in contempt for not turning over some documents that Congress subpoenaed. You know, nobody heard about that. No. You know, that's, no, and that's, that's it's future shock. Yeah. Yeah, it is. They want you so inundated that you don't know what to be mad about. And so you end up being mad about something petty. Yeah. Like, like Pride Month. Look at all the people who are outraged over Pride Month. Like, what the fuck? Who cares? <laughs> I've seen a few flags. That's it. No, the, um, the, the most real... I've seen, most I've seen, sorry, most Pride Month stuff I've seen has been in marketing information from corporations. It's not personal. I haven't seen like anything but businesses and bigger businesses and stuff advertising the fact that they are now celebrating Pride. I have not seen like individuals who were, which is also telling. It's, it's a giant marketing play. But anyway, sorry, go ahead. I'll shut up. No, it is a marketing ploy. And and companies we don't spend our money on anyway, losing money and us reading about it is somehow something to cheer about. I mean, we may take we may take some things off of some shelves or some things out of some stores, but it doesn't stop the money behind the scenes going to nonprofits or NGOs or foreign entities um, for those very agendas abroad. Right. And I just thought of this too, back to my point about distraction. This, <laughs> the reason behind these companies doing this big marketing push during these specific 143 days of holidays and days of awareness for the LGBT movement is solely to get their ESG scores up because it's cheaper for them to get money and easier for them to get credit 
when they've got a higher ESG score in today's large corporate environment. So that yes, and I've been that's a big major. Sorry, thing. continue. No, I was going to say that people don't see that because it's that's what they're being distracted from. What's going on behind the scenes? There's well, this nobody whole who ESG infrastructure being built, and it's ridiculous. Sorry. And ESG is just, I mean, it's one flower in the pot and you've got a bouquet of bullshit. Exactly. Um, and the funny thing is, that's not even the decided upon factor. Uh, ESG is just one road that we might travel. And we are finding large corporations the world over who are actually abandoning ESG goals yes. and guidelines because it's it's causing them to tank. Yes. Which is wonderful. Yeah. So what will take its place? I mean, you've you've read uh, Patrick Wood? No. Uh, authoritarian sociopathy and uh, technocracy rising. No, he I haven't covers read it. E okay, you can read it with your ears. It's on Audible. Uh, there's actually a surprising amount of good books on Audible, um, such as Technocracy Rising. He covers smart cities which we call 15 minute cities now it doesn't matter what the name is I think 15 Those have minutes been around is... since the 40s yes they and have. they were disproven in the early 50s when they did not work they talked about esg goals the 17 sustainable goals and how they were failing almost as soon as they were made but there's enough money and enough agenda push behind them that the needs are met yeah yeah and then as far as esg being a smaller part of a larger pie it's it's all part of the whole agenda 2030 which is just a big the globalist plan of where they want to go it's and <laughs> it's just one tentacle of that agenda i would i would love it if more people were concerned about why john Kerry went to antarctica yes. in 2016 <laughs> and the pope i would love for those yes yeah. Yeah. The Russian and the Pope. Eastern Orthodox yes. Church. Yeah, yeah. I would love for somebody to bring a clay ball here to Washington State from those shores so we could crack it open <laughs> and do some soil tests. I wish that those were the things we could talk about. Well, what about uh, the idea? We're, we're stuck. Yeah, but, you know, in the face of all this, like, I, I guess uh, one country against another, this weird, these weird bullshit proxy wars that are going on the world comes together in antarctica in whatever the space station is in locking us all down these warring countries seem to be just quite able to get on when it comes to all this actual the big real stuff and and then it it falls it den it denigrates down to You've got this country against that country. They can't talk, it, you know, the the theater of it. And and people are fooled by this. We all search for what's wrong and we all get distracted along the way. And we think this is the biggest thing right now. And then we forget that we thought this was the biggest thing right now. And there's too much. I mean, literally too much. For any one person anywhere. Uh, so what what are you thinking about? This is this is like shockingly to me shocking 
that this is getting pushed so fast and so hard right now. All this ET alien stuff, UAP stuff, I mean, with stuff happening in in the big news, fed to the common folk coming from governments now, which is what they all wanted, it looks to me like there is some sort of component here, whether you believe the Von Braun side of it or you think it's real, whatever. It does seem like everyone's getting prepped for something to be falling out of the sky, essentially. Well, um, was it? H.G. Wells or Jules Verne that wrote Things to Come. Do you know this book? Jules Verne, I, th I think. So in this book, he talks about a society that is technologically advanced. That was Wells. I'm wrong. It was Wells? Yeah. The society is technologically advanced. The technology is sequestered. And the people made over the course of uh, about a hundred years to forget that it existed. Uh, you know, story passes into myth, myth into legend, and all is forgotten. Um, Which is also advanced. It's a communist sorry? tenet. Yeah. Which Wells was a well-known socialist communist. So, I mean, I, I would expect that. And, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, he brings up an interesting point or trope, and we've seen this uh, with with the people from Gaia. Uh, but a society technologically advanced leaves for 100 years, 200 years, and then comes back and is so far advanced from everything they left that they just rule. Is that not the Anunnaki story or any other story? Which means if it could happen, which means if it may be happening right now, that it's happened before. And so all this alien, blue beam, majestic SP-12, all of this garbage has been fed to us, slow fed to us, fed to us after the creation of the OSS and all from government sources. And I can't buy it. I can't do it. Yeah, but and, you not buying it and you not doing it doesn't, you don't reflect the masses of people that are. No. And that's the thing. And this is what I'm talking about, which seems to me, and a lot of people like, they're really going to, it looks like they're really going to try and play this. Oh, yeah. And there's, we call it hidden history when we really should call it forgotten history, there's a ton of things like that that people just forget because they're not exposed to it for so long. Um, I think a lot of people will buy it or be excited about it. And somebody just made this joke. I think it was, um, I think it was on New World Next Week. It was 20 years ago, conspiracy theorists were talking about aliens. And now that aliens are here, conspiracy theorists are saying it's fake. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting and hilarious <laughs> turn of events. I that mean, has it's... been. We started to see Travis Walton switch from its inner you know, its inner dimensional, yes. and all that. Yes. So a lot of the stories that were like it was hardcore, 
in our realm, outer space kind of stuff too. It's interdimensional, and which I actually can pull up to. I was always able to pull up to that because, as Jerry said, everything's demons. Yeah, but, everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for real. And, and for so, real. for seriously, and ah, so I. Real. That is something I can pull up to this idea that something is coming from whatever space is because we can't agree on what it is. And right now, everything they show us to make us think space is something real, real doesn't <laughs> pan scary. out. And especially the more where we are now and we start looking back at the stuff they were showing us, our, our parents and stuff <laughs> and us in our childhood. It, it's so laughable. It's unbelievably crude. It's worse than Pac-Man. I mean, it's it's so bad. Yeah. The graphics that, you, and people still buy it because they double down. They don't want to think they've been fooled. They don't want to think the people in charge are are doing this kind of charade. And, and here we are. It's, here we it's, are. It's worse than that because those two thoughts aren't even, don't even come across their mind. They're so convinced it's real that the thought, they, they never question it. There's no questioning. And, you know, that's just not, not just for NASA and space, but across the board for everything. But I wanted to bring up one thing. There's a video. It's, I think it was the very first, what they claimed was the very first uh, filmed spacewalk. It was, uh, I think, the Mercury program. And it's a joke. It's it's. It's it's stop it's stop motion animation. It's obvious you could see it today, but um, the thing that gives it away if you watch it, <clears throat> the guy gets out of the capsule and then the the his his tube his breathing tube or whatever tether is floating around and and the narrator's going look it's floating <laughs> like oh my god it's in zero <laughs> gravity. So that anyway the guy goes about twenty feet away from the capsule and then turns his head, his suit stays forward but his head turns to the to the left. And he gives a salute to the camera. Those initial suits in the Mercury program, the head was fixed. The helmet was fixed. It did not move. I don't even think the helmets move today on the space helmets. You can move your head inside, but the helmet itself does not twist like that. And You're starting to sound like a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I'm starting to sound like Bart Sproul. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bart. Bart's awesome. But no, so, so awesome. honestly, if you watch that today, you watch that Mercury, I'll, I'll find the video and post it in chat, but it's so <clears throat> amazingly fake and you look, you watch it. And then when you know that the helmets are fixed and they can't turn their head and he like turns and salutes a camera, it's like, oh my God. And people, and it's, people it's still... like a million things like that, Jerry, yeah. it's yeah, all yeah, yeah, these yeah, yeah. little things, but that like all of them that are that good, it's like, this is not possible because of this and and on and on and on and still people are doubling down on this yeah. they look at you like you're batshit crazy <laughs> still for questioning this narrative it's it's, well, a, it's I, I equate it to like if you watch um a graphics high uh, a high visual effects movie from like the 70s and 80s today you're like oh my god it's so obvious but back when you first saw it it was amazing you know and some of the sci-fi movies that are out today with special effects, uh, I, I can't think of one. But, you know, today it looks fantastic and you can't tell it from reality. Imagine how how, how entertainment's going to be in 20 years, 30 years from now, you know. Remember when Transformers first came out? Yeah. All those moving parts? Yeah. 
No, um, I think with the alien thing, the closest I could get to it is the Vril Society, which I do believe has way more credence than many of the others. Bringing oh, yeah. something in. Um, yeah. What is, what was the, I cannot remember the name of the man from AM, Coast to Coast. Um, George Art Bell? He called in. Oh, oh, the guy oh, that the, called in. Art yeah. Bell. The guy that called in, he said um, they're extra dimensional beings that an earlier precursor of the um, space program made contact with. They are not what they claim to be. They've um, infiltrated a lot of the aspects of the military establishment, particularly the Area 51. And he goes on to talk about uh, there's a lot of safe areas that they'll move the population to. Um, they want those major population centers wiped out so that the few that are left will be more easily controllable. I don't think that was an actor. I don't think that was him calling in. Um, I really do think that uh, that, that was a bit of a revelation of the method. Yep, I'm will. with you. Yeah, I, and I'm still with you on that because you saw how they tried to debunk that years later. And it, it to me, it was one of the most prescient experiences on coast to coast with art bell and it yeah. was intense and it was riveting and to me it still stands and again we always end up with these these bots or these something that want to misdirect us from something that thing felt real that situation like in my gut felt real and now look at where we are as you're saying we, compared we are where, Herded into population yep. centers, yes. Just and like what he is said. he talking about? Extra dimensional beings? He's talking about the culmination of the very goals and tenets of the Vril Society. When you read their, I guess you could call them founding documents. And what do we harness? We all pretend that everything is through the, through the airwaves and off of satellites, but 98% of our communications and technology is still wire and ground-based. So what is going through the air? I think that there should in our circles be a resurgence of conversation on the aims and goals and even the profundity of the Vril Society. With you on that, totally. And, you know, you mentioned the Vril Society and it's funny how, just like anything around all that, the knee-jerk responses people have. And it amazes me that anyone that's an investigator of any kind, questioning reality, looking into stuff that gets, that, that has these like no-go zones. And, you know, the Vril Society and the Thule and all this is like a no-go zone. It's like, you, it's so far out for them. And yet their whole... This whole idea. So, Nathan, what I'm saying here is in the last couple of years, a lot of people, and we just mentioned this earlier, are showing their true colors with what what they're talking about. And so, you know, all the ones that were that have flipped now, flipped their script, really now the idea of people that were in this for the money were in this for the money and not for the actual journey of the knowledge and so the room's smaller and they and these people won't touch that stuff 
they won't touch it because it's not making them the money because society in general is putting the kibosh on it. You can't say real. Are you kidding? In the world where everything's Nazi, Nazi, no. Nazi, you can't say real. But it's also a no. Very nobody talks deep, about it. It's a very deep topic that requires attention and thought, which a lot of people don't have the patience for anymore. No, and we put uh, so look at Hellboy, look at uh, Full yeah. Metal Alchemist, yep. the movie. We we see. Tulayer, the Thule Society, mm -hmm. we see that gamified in our media. Mm -hmm. And the Vril Society, the closest we get to the Vril Society is Gremlins 2, mm -hmm. where there's a fucking electric gremlin. Uh, uh, the closest we get is Tomorrowland, where they put in plus ultra yes. Easter eggs. Yes, all over the place. That's it. We don't actually take the Vril Society seriously. And I'll tell you about these content creators. I personally finally uh, you mentioned psychoanalysis here we go you know why people love owen benjamin because they watched him break down and change his mind about something and so these people that avoid topics because it would make their past work seem silly or wrong those are the disingenuous the people that can lose it on camera and say oh my god i was no, it can't be flat. It's, it's fucking flat. Owen Benjamin won lifelong fans because that is how we all felt. And so these people are either, if you're grifting, that's the best way to grift and you're missing it because you're trying not to look stupid, changing your mind. Real people change their mind. Absolutely. And real people, you know, and you should change your mind. You should be open to changing your mind and you should be able to allow yourself and the people around you this kind of space. Otherwise, you're controlled. You're being handled, maybe not by a person, but definitely by a societal movement, by the propaganda around you, by the brain entrainment. And it says everything. I think that that for me to see the flexibility of some people that can flow with information and listen to all kinds of information and come into their own right and and then start to see how synthesizing the new data has taken them further down the road when it, it's almost scary to me script like when you see someone saying the same thing 20 years ago and they never left the narrative despite again the moon moon thing 50 years ago or whatever that was and they never let it go the doubling down is such a deep psychological uh internal way of not threatening the overall i guess uh bio i don't even know what i'm saying here it, it, it's a threat to the personality that is running your script. It's a, it's a threat to the I, the id. It's a threat to, to admitting that the reality around you was not always what you thought it was. And some people can't take that on a psychological level. Their emotional nature can't take it. They're a dream. They're, they're, we're all adrenal drained right now 
with um, being locked down, being controlled, yep, seeing yep, all yep. the hands. And so they just shrivel into the old ways that seem comfortable and it's not doing anyone any good. And now with the canceling of information that you can't even question, it, it's, it's becoming scary. And what we were talking about in this whole show of where we're going, what's going on, Hegel has really laid out that the, the template for where we are. But a lot of us, I don't know what the numbers are. A lot of us are still able to find this plasticity. Plas I can't speak tonight. I'm having so much trouble. <laughs> I, I'm trying to speak. Good. I'm trying to speak fast because I have I've got puppies in the house, but um, so I'm speaking fast and muting. But it is it's just it's disturbing to me the amount of people that are caving and the amount of people that follow or listen or in those audiences that are allowing that to perpetuate that are staying with those narratives because the person that they're looking up to and getting their information is not coming loose to the new information they're doubling down so everyone's doubling down let, well, me, let me throw some woo in there real quick um i think one of the reasons behind that is let's look at the moon landing for instance and over time that belief in it has waned i we're probably at like 50 50 right now the people you know back then it was 100 percent. the belief in that and the promulgation of its existence, you know, anniversaries and, you know, astronauts dying and whatnot, all of the remembrance of that provides energy to that event. So whatever ritual that was, and this is on an energetic level, I'm, you know, I don't know how this is actually being used by the Elites themselves, but the energy that ties us to that time period energetically. So until ever enough people bail on that belief, in my mind, keeps that energy flow going, and until that's, that energy flow has been cut, whatever whatever that event brought into our reality will slowly fade away. And that's why there's, that's why I think there's so much stuff going on with, you know, we're going to Mars, we're going to go to the moon, the whole Artemis program, all the promises, space hotel. How many times have you heard about a hotel on the fucking moon? And, oh, it's coming in two years, and it's coming every two years. You hear about it. Oh, there's going to be a hotel on the moon by 2025. But, you know, last time it was 2023 and then 2021 before. You know what I'm saying? They keep spinning that plate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to keep that connection back to that energetic point in history. That's all I want. Yeah, thank you, Jerry. That thank you. I think I need I needed that help. <laughs> I really did struggling tonight. But that that's it and it's at some point you know, here I guess here's my question because we see these loops. We see the cause the retro causality. We see the looping. It's easy to check back 20 years, 100 years and look at the cycles. Are the people are there enough of us? that are going to be able to say no when this crackdown finally, because the crackdown's happening. It's happening right now. We're in water that's about to hit boil point, I believe. Is it, are they going to be able to have this great fascist one world situation that is unfolding? Because it's unfolding. Whether we like it or not, it's happening. 
I, it's so difficult. I think that as soon as information becomes established, it becomes dogma. And I think that when dogma takes root in a society, uh, that everyone rejoices in turning off their brains because we all love to pick a team. And I think once the, once the sides are chosen, then, then it'll be an all out war between us ideologically. But is the plan even that long? Is the plan for the next 20 years? Is the plan for the next 100? Is it really to unite the world under the thumb of a small group or a single or in service to the Arcanate? I mean, there's, there's too much to consider to have a single answer to it. But I think we do fall in cycles of dogma and people, Egypt, Egypt, that's what I was going to say. Um, Egypt is the way it is because no one involved in its history could ever say I was wrong about a thing 20 years ago. And I think you can, you can look at the cases of Egypt, their corrupt government, uh, <laughs> Egyptologists in general, and you can see that this template for dogmatic belief for the inability to change one's mind has led to such a red team, blue team on this idea. And we see this mirrored everywhere. The moon, did you know, and this is a bit of hidden history, it should just be called forgotten history. Did you know that at least half of the population didn't believe we landed on the moon? the year we landed on the moon. They fought it for years. It was in local newspapers. There were entire movements. But you know what? The people who controlled the radio and the television, the printing presses, they spoke with one voice. And now today, we think that it fooled everyone. Mm -hmm. And back then, it only fooled the young. And so this is happening now. The only way I could, I could possibly see to combat this is for each of us to do something that almost no one does anymore and to write your own histories. Keep a journal. Every single person, every one of us at least, keep a journal. Because guaranteed the things that happened 50 years ago probably happen more like they're happening now with the bulk of the thinking population at war with the dogmatic hordes. And, and whatever you do, make it immutable. The, this, Certainly. This was, I think, the fallacy of, like, Wikipedia. Everyone thought this was going to be some great central repository of truth, you know, the source of truth. And it, as everyone can see, it's been hijacked by a political party or... or group or whatever it's very left-wing I don't, I don't know how to categorize it it's been hijacked so you're going to only get their side of the story you're not going to get both sides and if if for instance wikipedia had been built on a blockchain where you could see 
how it was changed. It's, you know, it's immutable that you can go back and look at it and say, oh, this is what originally happened. And that's what, if you're going to keep some kind of journal, definitely. <laughs> Certainly. And <laughs> this is where I get a little Ted Kaczynski because um, I believe it should be paper. I don't trust this digital medium no. at all. I mean, we, what do we do now? The, the ultimate hope against a technocratic global civilization with you holding up the foundations on your knees, the only hope against that is a worldwide electromagnetic pulse, which destroys everything we've been doing allegedly. on the internet. Allegedly. Or everywhere. Yeah, allegedly. I don't believe EMPs are real. What? Never seen one demonstrated. They're only been in movies. Okay. Um, on Fridays, we do a real science segment. Mm -hmm. And if you're ever interested, this is with um, Andreas Exertis and Bernie, the science guy, and a lot of other guys, all of which have made over Unity devices and shared them in real time. Um, they can demonstrate an electromagnetic pulse and its effects if you'd like to come see i would love to that's yes i would love uh, my mind to be, be changed on this because i've seen no evidence all right so plain and simple i think that uh but yeah, but getting back to your point when if EMPs are real and they do come that would be the end of everything digital You'd have CDs, but you couldn't play them. You know, you'd have DVD storage. You'd have your hard drive, but you couldn't plug it into anything. And this is actually a huge problem in uh, in the minds of men and in the societies that are adapting to the current world. We have a lack of a scold or a shaman or a storyteller or wise men or magi, anything. Nobody remembers anymore because nobody keeps the stories. We all trust things to a device to remember for us, to a paper to remember for us. And I think that the practice of history being told through story is something that's going to need to come back. Now, I haven't gotten to the solution. I've only stated what I want. If anybody's got any ideas on how to get there, you can always find me as stolen history. got a question from Oswald. I have two questions from Oswald. Okay. Uh, ask you about the 33rd parallel in relation to anything we have discussed. Really? Really. Okay. Um, first, Oswald. I think we did this last time, and I think you think I'm another Nathan. However, uh, the 33rd parallel instantly invo evokes the ideas that or everyone shouts the buzzwords I talked about, like hating last time, of sacred geometry, building in a specific place on a specific spot. Uh, could it be that installations or stations or safe houses are being set up there could it be that holdouts exist there entry or exit points if at any time cyclic catastrophe does come to fruition in our lifetimes 
it might be beneficial uh, for us to know what's going on in those locales. It's probably an ignorant answer, but I think he thinks I'm another Nathan. He knows exactly who you are. <clears throat> He's in the I chat. He did. He's in the chats on Tuesdays. He knows who you are. <laughs> yeah, JFK is going too. I was saying in chat that um, when, for whatever reason, when I hear Thirty Third Parallel, my mind goes to Disneyland right away. Because I'm pretty, pretty sure Disneyland's like built on Thirty Thirty Third Parallel, and <clears throat> uh, there's a Thirty Three Club at Disneyland. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of weird. Wait, is that land or world? Land. Really? I will have to you research. You know what's under there? <laughs> Tunnels of children? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> children, that's that's like shipping the money through their sheriff. Um, so there are... There's like a whole city on the 33rd under. parallel. There, There's more than one uh, linear particle accelerator huh? underneath there. Uh, Stanford's got one of the biggest ones in the world. Wait, there's right a particle around. accelerator under Disneyland? Not under Disneyland. Okay, okay. Near. 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 Yeah. Uh, so it's I think La that something or other. La Mahadra. I mm -hmm. can't think of the name of it. But I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, Stamp, there's tons of particle accelerators all over the United States. There's like a yeah, hundred or so. There are 3,000, yeah, uh, approximately 3,000 in the world, and a thousand of them are in America. Yeah. Like, there's one at Fermilab up in Chicago that was near me when I lived up there. Los Alamos has one, I swear, even though they say they don't. If you're doing plasma physics with Parat, no. No way you don't have one. Right. Right. And you got to wonder, is cracking atoms the real purpose of those things? Let me ask this other question if we can delve into that. Delve. Mm -hmm. I wants to know if you know anything about the order of the nine angles. Nothing whatsoever. Me neither. Hold on a second. That's a standard question from um, Oswald these days. Okay, well, I, I'll know. Well, that I think I remember that from last time. <laughs> That's, and I th thought that he thought I was a different Nathan for for a minute um it's not ringing a bell um yes it is it's esoteric satanism uh no i don't know anything specific though no all right yeah suzanne was saying i probably think about disneyland in 33 because of bosley so walter bosley that's very possible oh walter bosley I like Walter. You know, Don't we, be dissing him. <laughs> no, I, I had a lot of fun with him. Yeah. Uh, Flavortown and I, along with a few others from the old crew, uh, we all busted in on his very first glimpse of uh, the hidden history and Tataria angle a few years ago. I remember so, that. Like, that's how I met him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what was it? Was I think it was Fendap. That was like, I need to message you privately about this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I'm not wearing a CIA hat. Chill out. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> never. Never. You can never leave that gang. Oswald said he's never thought you were a different Nathan. So. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. 
I agree with you, though, on You Can Never Leave That Gang. And it's funny because last night I fell asleep towards the end, but the, um, what is it, reality, that show? Jerry, you had it for me um, uh, on the movie, the document on that reality woman reality. named Reality. I had no, that, I, all I know is it's a show on HBO called Reality. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a movie. Yeah, but I mean, I haven't watched it or anything. Yeah, and and actually, it's done really well. It's super creepy and and gross, the whole FBI thing. And I don't like any of these agencies. It just they offend me, all of them. And this whole, I don't like power over, and I don't like people that exert it. And uh, I could go down that road, but. It's just not the charter of the government. They're there to serve us and provide well, services. And now it's like becoming very authoritarian. But yes, go on. Just people that come at you yeah. with fear, yeah. no matter what, because of their badge or whatever. And they come at you with fear. And they, you know, this, this old psychological trick of trying to get people to comply. And I'm the law and I'm the secret law. I'm the, you know, we're the real law, et cetera. And is backing people up and, throwing around this law and that law it's just and and that people capitulate with this stuff is how this has gotten out of control that that we allow this is is part of the problem here these are just dudes or or women and dudettes it's just it's so <laughs> ridiculous but that movie was good and was creepy and but my point is i truly believe you are never an ex-FBI employee or never an ex-CIA employee, never an ex-NSA employee if you had high enough clearance. You are always tethered to the system. And I don't care how likable you are. In fact, you need to be likable when you're in the field trying to get people to give you intel. You need to have some charisma and um, all that. And so when you become X, whatever that is, and don't get me wrong, I love I love Bosley, but when you become X, you, you, you know, what is this? What is that exactly? Are you an X Mason? Are you an X, any of these fealty, any, anywhere where you've sworn yourself to these, to these organizations, whether we know about them or not, you just don't step in and out of it. Now we know this with, I got Sicilian in me. I know in the family business, you don't become X. How you become X is you're buried in the ground. That's how you're X. <laughs> and then, you know, your family's still there. So, you know what I'm saying? This is, it's ridiculous. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I agree with you on that, Nathan. You don't get out of it. Well, it's, it's difficult to consider that you should never swear an oath right? because, and I'll reference the famous short story by Philip K. Dick, The Chromium Fence. A man just wants to stay out of the way. And he has one son who believes in one thing and one son who believes in another. And one day he's forced to choose. Now this is the problem with swearing an oath. Everyone in the world wants you to pick a team so that you can be on their team or they can hate you. And what do you do? I think that's a question. I, I'm not going to answer that question. I don't think I can. 
I think the best best answer there is to extricate yourself from that system. And once again, oh, the great, great Philip K. Dick. Yeah. I mean, that man, you know, the deeper into all this, too, the more absolutely relevant the work of that man has become. And it's funny because it goes from deep woo to now almost like common reality. And if you've ever heard his speech in France, the one where he talks about uh, where he came up with those stories, that he was getting glimpses into adjacent realities, that seems more and more likely every day. That that we're oh, just yeah. kind of shifting in and out of these adjacent realities, and that they do exist. And uh, yeah, it's just yeah, he was he was an amazing dude, fucked up but amazing. He very fucked up but i mean how many people work closely with our government or extrajudicial entities and never come back from it i'll mention ted kaczynski again yeah, there you go but, <laughs> but um whether they find themselves validated in their lifetime or posthumously um it still brings it back to the idea of the thrill society and what they were on to the bleed from one phase shift to another. But uh, you could say that was Crowley too, to some degree. He just kind of picked up where they left off. Oh yeah, but that man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not saying he was successful he would... or. And yeah, go ahead. I Crowley to me is is. If they turned Alex Jones into a guru, <laughs> the be... more I learn and the more I, I reevaluate what I've known, <laughs> the more I think about it. Uh, I mean, seeing people propped up for specific tasks, goals, a lot of them cultural and societal, mm -hmm. uh, ideological, sometimes epigrammatical. Um, it's it's so strange to think that Jim Jones and people like him are failed recreation templates of people like Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. And we can see historically that it's just been the same thing. And the next generation didn't know what happened before, so they don't know what's going on now. <laughs> exactly. And, and the history from before is being shredded in real time as we move forward oh yeah do you know how mad i get when people still say everybody drank jim jones's kool-aid you better not follow anything crazy no nobody <laughs> wanted to drink the kool-aid you never read the story did you okay yeah they were forced at gunpoint to drink it yeah well that's you know and this is the problem with the lack of education going on people it's a telephone game and more than ever, it's the telephone game when you're looking at, again, getting back to this, the actual level of competency as far as cognitive abilities to function in this world. I don't know how so many people that are so ignorant these days are actually making it day to day. I mean, I see that they're getting caught up in, in identity politics and all that, and it's giving them talking points, but there's no depth there and they don't understand these stories. They don't understand even modern history that, that was going on 
five years ago, let alone 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And it's sad. And then the reading rate, even with audible, you know, listening, the comprehension level is still low. So if you're speaking in too high of a form of language, you know, I mean, what's a big word these days? Like prescience, a big word right that it's like a big word for people like they really i see people stumbling on words that are just basic english that we got is basic english and this is this is not looking good when we're looking a generation of this and i'm speaking definitely from the american perspective here because i believe that the american people the new generation and I don't know what this means ultimately. I don't know if this means all the foreigners that are here now, the new generation of people that are coming up and around here are so ignorant hmm. and so tied down uh, with their views that this looks frightening. And in the world, our stats of being exceptional, what are, I mean, we gotta be at like, uh, if there's a hundred count, we're at 99. And moving to a hundred, I, I, there, I think there are a bunch of different things that are contributing to that human condition, if you will, the condition of most people. Of the, I, I don't know what you want to call it, this, this dumbing down. But I also think that solar activity, the fact that we're in the solar minimum and there's tons of cosmic rays hitting the Earth because of magnetic fields weakening, that's also playing a big part. And I, I don't think a lot of people talk about that. But in comprehension and reading and writing, they're letting people out of high school that can't oh, yeah, read yeah. and write. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. I, that's a whole separate they issue. They teach but, you. Yeah. They teach you to repeat. Yes. Not right. to learn. Correct. They teach you to act, not to think, to react. Uh, the problem isn't necessarily literacy if you learn to read so that you can read Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes, which is written is, at such a low level. Yes, and the content and subject itself is blasé and superfluous, and it takes something that is typically deviant and makes it mainstream. I think that the issue isn't how intelligent a person is when it comes to a specific thing such as grammar. I think it is more a dissociation from a moral, a moral familial national sometimes national i guess but ethical grounding i think that because we get through so much of our life being infantilized that by the time our bodies have fully developed um, we're just becoming aware that there is a world in which our brains can be developed and there's still strong groups and strong communities of uh, of the religious who become historically inclined of young philosophers which is a uh, it's kind of insane it that younger philosophy movements are either extremely rainbow hair left or are so equated with the white right because people became so interested in the watered down versions of philosophy that people like jordan peterson spout i don't necessarily yep. think it's the i don't think that it's the the acumen that is the issue, I think that it's the desire to do anything more than wear something or fuck something. 
<laughs> pardon my French. Yes. We've, we've completely drained our generations of the need to be anything more than a status symbol. That, that's because Jerry, we're... you're muted. No, I'm not. Can you hear me now? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. I was going to... That's because we're in... I, I fully pull up this theory of the fourth turning. We're in that, that weak men create hard times portion of, of time in this timeline. And, and that, and we're seeing it in real time. It's crazy, but hard times are ahead. May you live in interesting times. I mean, I'm. Oh, we do, we do. We should do it now. We should do it now while my body works and my brain works. Yeah. Because I would hate to do it 70. I know. I feel bad for people that are up in that range that are here with us and on board. And of course, they came up in a world where education actually really meant something. And one could take pride in even penmanship, first of all. Cursive. They don't even teach that anymore. Stuff like this. Our parents had a whole different generation. And as much as people want to dump on them right now, and they are, uh, it is, it, it's the, the, the level of education, the standard of education was so much higher that it looks unattainable for modern generations. And I'm not saying that everyone out there, right, the whole generation is are absolutely idiots there are pockets and there are good people that are trying to to teach their kids and there are a lot of them there are a lot but i'm looking at the big numbers i'm looking at the masses when i make this assessment so it's not the it's it's not the exceptions and so what do we do with that that's the thing and when the Older generations that had a higher level of education are protesting right now. This young, and this is always at play a little bit in, at least in the modern world, the younger generation is calling them old and not knowing what they're doing. And ironically, what do we get as our president? A, a fool. We get a fool who can't walk properly. We get a, whether or not all that's real, but he can't speak. He he's shaking hands with invisible people. He can't walk, etc. And I I don't think he's even Joe Biden. I don't think he's anything. I think he's non-human situation going on there. But what we're being shown, and we have to look at the symbols, is that. This is our elderly generation. This is what it looks like to be in the 80s, a bumbling fool and in the Nancy Pelosi of it and the cabinet that will not yield to the next generation. At least they just skipped over Gen X and we've got like people like AOC, God forbid. And and so it's this strange dethroning of elders by putting forward crazy, absolute fools, like we have showing us what elders in charge should look like. It's ridiculous when we do have incredible people at that age. And, you know, just, I'm, I'm not touting on Trump or anything, but if you just look at his 
whip smart, his quick nature, he's uh, he's still there compared to, say, like the current president. You can see how different this is. Why are they perpetually beyond the theater of all this, perpetually casting Trump as the bad guy and Joe Biden as the good guy, the guy, the bumbling fool, the bumbling old elder, let grandpa be, let him have his ice cream and hopefully he won't fall off his bike. And so that's what the young people are seeing in the old generation. There's a huge movement in the younger generations. They're afraid of the old people. It's a Star Trek episode. This this idea has been perpetuated through the media since the 60s and this was a part of that whole agenda and and we're finally getting to the the crux of this how long does it take for a generation to forget itself one generation that's it and yeah. we have movies like uh, the latest star wars trilogy where one of the most famous lines is forget the past kill it if you have to and they make everyone's hero luke skywalker an inept febrile old man and they talk about the destruction of tradition to pave the way for the new this is the the unending revolution the infinite overthrow of nothing just to destabilize but the only people who can tell you what it was like before are the people who were there before and so when you stop listening to them, you're on your own, inexperienced. And it's so much harder to teach yourself something uh, when you think that, that nobody knows. Uh, I work a job where I, I speak to quite a few people in their homes every day. And the longest and best conversations that I have are on random out there history topics with people in apartments or mansions and each of them is over 70 and they have the craziest things to say and some of the most level-headed outlooks i've ever heard yeah from anyone and i think we should listen to them more i agree it's, it's insane we've we've effectively cut off our youth from any assistance from anyone who may have any experience and no matter what you may say about one president or the next, I love to get halfway into an argument with somebody based on American politics and then just ask them if they would agree that we should just have a president under the age of 70. Can we get that? <laughs> Can I have one of those? I know. Thank you know somebody you. whose body still works, somebody who's <laughs> not on more pharmaceuticals than your great grandma. <laughs> And the second thing I asked them is, have you ever voted for a secretary of state? Did you know that Citibank picks most of the presidential cabinet? Have you ever voted for a general? Well, you know, it's funny, the pharmaceuticals. My grandmother is like 101 this year, I think. And she takes no, still nothing. She takes nothing, but she does have a beer a night. And she still bowls and she made like the Des Moines paper for bowling and all this. And uh, so they're out there. There are people out there that are not on pharmaceuticals at a ripe age, but it's not the common. And this is how this is how all this bullshit started with the lockdowns 
and all that where we could see who is functioning at what not the people that were made to the people that were just easily joining up for it you can see who wants to believe in the system and and who is not going to including elderly because i believe my grandmother also did not do that and laughed it off because she's lived through so much stuff and she's so hard ass but <laughs> she's yeah my grandmother uh, walked and talked until the day she died had no issues another bit of hidden history lately has become hidden and stolen and lost methods methods of the ancients for food for medicine especially for natural cures that most of our world when you tell a normal person you could do this and it's more efficacious than a pill they don't believe you well where do you think they got the idea to make the pill from this if you have a headache you can take some bark from a white willow tree yep. and boil it in some water and drink it it's a tea and there are no side effects mm -hmm. and the coating is not made of petrol oh hell i go but out they, to my yard and grab feverfew and chew it and yeah. my headache goes away and the fda and the cdc and the nih say that these are not approved that not enough study has been done and so everybody thinks we trust our institutions and other people think we're reclaiming ancient medicine add the medicine actually <laughs> you know it we were doing it until about 70 years ago this pharmaceutical world is really very new historically it's a construction it's of uh, the rockefellers and so yes and and I use the term pre-Rockefeller medicine mm -hmm. to denote a specific point in history. Um, it's all black magic. Now, now you're seeing this push, this push toward ancient remedies, ancient cures, mm -hmm. and you see it in stores. We're seeing biotin and collagen become huge on store shelves. And they're saying like ancient supplements. And they want you to take it. However, the pill form that they've just powderized biotin and collagen in isn't bioavailable when you eat it. So they're still selling you garbage. And you think you're being smart because you keep hearing from people how the old ways are better. The, the, the whole farm. pharmaceutical market is black magic. These are black magicians. And as far as my, that I know that's an opinion, but it's my opinion. Allopathy is absolutely 100 percent the darkest of satanic anything i have ever in my life seen or witnessed you want satanism look to allopathy yeah. and i am just hardcore on that i've seen it time and again and i'm someone who does use the old ways and i i have been led astray through allopathy i've watched everyone go astray through allopathy and and i've seen the miracles of natural ways and there's including natural births, real midwives out there that because no one can no one can come out and say I'm a midwife. You we have to be underground because it's illegal unless you have your unless you're a registered nurse with your little certificate. So you can bring someone's ass into a hospital room with allopathy all around and birth that baby. Sorry, babes. That's not real midwifery i don't mean to be rude about it but i do know a thing or two about this 
Which is That's just it. Every, already two Everything hours. is being remarketed. Has it been two hours? Yes. I can't believe that. That's crazy. That was cool. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then I got all fiery there because everyone wants to point <laughs> their hand at it's Satanism, bull, bullshit Satanism, when the real Satanism is what most people are pulling up to. Like yeah. I'm saying, allopathy, these the, the, the governmental systems that are taking away your free will. How satanic mm -hmm. is that? That's completely satanic. If something is coming in and taking away your free will, and if you're a decent person that understands basically what's right or wrong, because now I'm questioning what that is for these a lot of people. Like, I don't go walking around hitting people upside their head with a brick as they're walking. That's wrong. I grew up knowing that's wrong. If you can't discern if that's right or wrong, then you are might be one of them. And so... You want Satanism, that's where you look for Satanism. You don't look at the poorly dressed people in ill-fitting suits belonging to the COS. Don't get me started on that LARP. <laughs> and, um, you know, LeVay was a genius and he had something going on, but that's where the ball stops when he died. And, and so whether or not you pull up to that, he was playing a different game, just like L. Ron Hubbard and all that whole gang. So Satanism and the dark arts are what is the actual mainstream. It's what's popular and it's what's thrown out there. And people don't understand it because they want to look over here at, oh, look at this cheap goth kid or uh, this rabble rouser over here. No, 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 no. That person controlling you, that person controlling your free will, that person gaslighting you, that person poisoning you, there's your real Satanist. There's your real dark artist. And uh, oh. I don't mean that in a way of integration when I say dark artist. I mean that in a real way where they're subduing you. And that Satanism, that control, someone co-opting your co-creative faculty to make you engage in what they do, that is what it is. You don't know that you're practicing something if no one tells you. And yet, your co-creative faculty is now co-opted, your energy now bent toward their will. And of that is the real problem. You remember the father in The Giver whose job it was, was to take twins and to inject and kill the smaller, less healthy twin. He didn't know what he was doing, and yet those children are dead. So we don't know, most of us don't know, the things we participate in, the sacrament that we engage in, and yet its purpose is fulfilled. And yes. from another standpoint, that is a requirement because the beings that control this thing cannot create on their own. So they need the co-creation of real humans yes. to get on board and give, give energy to that thought form, whatever it is, to, to create it in our reality. And that's prevalent across so many things, but, but specifically what you were talking about. Yeah. Oh. Well, it's always been like that. It'll always be like that. It's yeah. a tug of war. Yep. I mean that. It is a tug of war. It's it may a seesaw. be never ending, but it doesn't mean we stop trying. Futility and nihilism are 
are never to be engaged in. I think eventually people will catch on over time. Is that optimistic? I mean, because optimistic. look at where, look, look Optim- around you. <laughs> yeah, but look at how many people are aware of what's going on in their reality today versus 10 years ago. I mean, it's not well. It's if not the last fast. three years, Jerry, if the last three years is any indication, if we can believe numbers, it's still a gigantically small, vast chasm. Yeah, between I, the two. I well, agree. I mean, it's the minority for so, sure. I'll just say this: um, it's it's always been the minority. However, the last three years showed us; it gave us a glimpse into what we're up against. Uh, how many people are in our our tribe, if you will. I think that was the benefit of the last three years. And I still portend, purport, whatever you want to say, whatever word I'm looking for that I can't think of right now, I still stand by the statement that I think it's it's maybe not exponential, but a a much larger percentage than it used to be 10 years ago. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, and growing. I agree. And and to Modwiz, I don't mean that I don't mean that nihilism is is what's happening. I mean it's what shouldn't happen. Yeah. Knowing that the struggle may never end is no excuse to stop struggling. It builds character. <laughs> Puts hair in your well, chest. Would you, would you just tell Sisyphus to give up? You tell him to quit? <laughs> what if you were downhill of that boulder? It's all Zelda. Pushing. Everything's Zelda. <laughs> The quest. It's all the quest. I don't know anything about Zelda. Oh my god, I loved it so hard. I only played the original. Yeah, me too. So I just think about it here and there, like, oh my god, I I got to this. There's something extra about Zelda, and there's these moments where I'm I'm having a Zelda moment, and a character that is not in any of the books or the spoilers comes forward, and you're like, who is this? What's this? So finally something new. Yeah, it's interesting. This has been a really fun, as always, chat with you, Mr. Nathan Day. It's it's fun to get into these waters and it's fun to be nobody with you. You know, like, let's just (laughs) let's just be in these in these spaces and and talk without all the frustrating. Oh, shite that gets thrown in at people that are just having good conversations mm-hmm. and this and being is why shackled by a topic yeah exactly and and this is why oh, yeah. nathan you're really a pleasure to have on yeah. so thank you you're amazing we appreciate it thank you guys i mean i only see my my own face through a mirror so i need these conversations <laughs> join the club buddy yeah can't talk to people at work they're all right cool so it's great having you thank you so much for coming back thank you nish thank you everyone for listening we'll be back in two weeks with i think uh corinne or what's her name a cult priestess there you go oh yeah yes so corinne that came fast Yes, it did. Well, the year's half over in like three days, so. (laughs) I know, it's so crazy. (laughs) Holy shite. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you, Jerry, and thank you, Nathan. Oh, you're welcome.